Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history and today we are going to be talking about the case of Brookie Lee West. So Brookie Lee West came from a very dysfunctional family and I mean dysfunctional. Seriously, the dysfunction and the toxicity in this family is just on another level. She had a very rough childhood. Her parents, they weren't always the best to her. And then when Brookie grew into an adult, well, she also became pretty dysfunctional herself. She developed this very toxic relationship with her mom, Christine, and in the end, it just all ended in tragedy. And let me tell you, there are so many ups and downs in this case. I was watching a documentary on this when I was doing my research, and it is just one of those cases where more and more shocking things just keep happening. And every time you're just like, what? Really? No. So yes, we have all of that to get through today. Truly one of the most dysfunctional families I think I've ever come across. And trust me, there are a lot of twists in this case. So let's dive in. Brookie Lee West was born on the 28th of June, 1953, making her a cancer. And she grew up in Bakersfield, California, but she did move around a lot. The family relocated quite a few times. So like I said in the intro, Brookie's childhood was dysfunctional. And I do feel like dysfunctional in itself is an understatement. But before we talk about Brookie's childhood, we need to go back even further and actually talk about her parents, both of them, her mom and dad, because both of them had very chaotic, dysfunctional upbringings as well. So Brookie's parents are Christine and Leroy, and we're gonna start with Christine first. So Christine was born during the Great Depression and she grew up in poverty. Her family really struggled to get by. And other than the fact that her family struggled financially, she had a pretty normal childhood in the beginning. Because when Christine turned eight, something happened that is just so devastating and completely changed her life forever. And that is because at the age of eight, Christine was repeatedly molested by a close family member. And this wasn't just over a short period, even though only once, it only has to happen once and that is devastating enough, but this happened over a prolonged period of time. This sexual abuse by the close family member, and I don't know what the close family member was, which is why I'm just saying close family member, lasted for years. It lasted until her teenage years. But unfortunately, the trauma was not over for Christine. By the time she turned 13, she ended up dropping out of school and trying to get a fresh start. And then by the time she was 16, she was forced into a very toxic marriage. And this husband of hers, it's honestly unbelievable what he did to her. He forced her into prostitution at the age of 16. He forced her. He was basically her pimp. And her husband has been described as a muscular thug that was always up to no good. But Christine, because of the work that she was forced into, she just felt degraded, she felt ashamed, but she felt angry. She was so angry at the whole situation and she knew that she had to get out of this marriage no matter how much effort it took. And thankfully, by the time she turned 18, she did manage to escape. She returned back home and started living with her parents 
parents and then it wasn't too long until she met Leroy. And Leroy Smith, who was also 18, would be her future husband. So that was Brookie's mom, Christine, her childhood. And I know obviously went through that very quickly, but oh my God, she went through a lot at such a young age. How is anyone supposed to deal with that? She didn't deal with that. So now let's talk about Leroy's childhood because he didn't really have it that much better either. So Leroy Smith was the son of Russian immigrants that moved to the US when he was just a baby. Leroy in his early life, just like Christine, had a pretty normal childhood, but this was soon about to change in the biggest ways. I actually cannot believe what happens in Leroy's childhood. Because when Leroy was about five years old, and I feel like I just need to Pause for a second because I honestly cannot believe what I'm about to say. So when Leroy was five years old, he witnessed a domestic dispute between his mom and dad and it got very, very heated. I do think his dad especially was violent. And this dispute escalated to the point where Leroy's dad pulled out an axe, swung it at his wife and cut her head off. I know what the actual hell. And he did this in front of Leroy. And I know Leroy is only five years old, but I don't care how old you are, you are aware of that. You are aware of what is happening. Can you even imagine the trauma of being a child and witnessing your dad cut off your mom's head? I can't, I can't. That has got to be one of the worst things I've ever heard a child witness before. So Leroy's dad did go to prison for the murder. He only went to prison for 10 years though, which... What the hell? So Leroy now didn't have any parents and he was left in the care of his three older sisters. And his three older sisters, um, I'm trying not to judge them because they're also children themselves, but I can't help but judge them slightly. And I don't know their ages though, so maybe I shouldn't judge them, but Leroy's three older sisters, they attached a note to Leroy's jacket and they put him on a bus and just left him. They put him on a bus. <laughs> I just can't believe it. They put him on a bus with a note on his jacket. And on the note, it said that he was an orphan, that his mom had been murdered, his dad was in prison, and that he had nowhere to live. And they just put him on this bus, hoping that someone else would look after him, deal with him. So Leroy is just on this bus. He's been stranded. He's only five years old. I cannot even get over how much trauma this five-year-old has been through already. So after this bus journey, he was just stranded on the corner of a street. But thankfully, somebody did come along and see the note on his jacket and they did take him in. His new mom was an alcoholic and she really struggled with life. She just really struggled in general. And she was also homeless a lot of the time with Leroy and the rest of the family, most of the time just living out of tents. And that is how he spent most of his childhood from the age of five, he was just living in tents. And then by the age of 16, Leroy enrolled into the army, which I thought you couldn't enroll into the army until you were like 18. But I read that he did when he was 16. So I don't know what all of that is about. I know obviously some people lie about their age, so that may have happened. So he enrolled into the army and he left home for good. And it was when he was 18, that he eventually met Christine and we obviously know that they got together and yeah so that is both of Brookie's parents childhood and have you ever heard of something so chaotic traumatic so Brookie's parents they get married pretty quickly after meeting and then in 1953 which is just a few years after they get married Brookie is born and then three years after Brookie is born they welcome another child a son who is called Travis and it would be really nice to think that these two people they've obviously had a very traumatic childhood maybe they come together 
help each other out, help each other grow and heal from their past. They have children and they're a happy family, but unfortunately that is not the case. So Leroy at this point had left the army and he was now a police officer. And this is possibly where the sympathy for Leroy stops because somebody like Leroy should never be a police officer. First of all, Leroy was openly racist and he 100% abused his position of power. He definitely was a narcissist and he liked to throw his weight around. So an example of how he would abuse his position of power is that when he was making an arrest, when he was arresting someone for drug possession, he would take the drugs off them. He would keep some of the drugs for himself. And then the rest of the drugs, he would then pass on to another drug dealer to sell on his behalf. And then he would pocket the money. He would also use and abuse sex workers. He would visit sex workers whilst he was on duty. And I don't feel like he would be the kind of person to pay either. So that is the kind of person that we're dealing with. He's very racist. He would use and abuse people. He would be very violent. He was corrupt. He was a corrupt police officer. He was also really violent. He didn't take too kindly when he was not in charge. He always had to be the alpha. That's the kind of person that he was. He had to be the alpha male. He also used and abused drugs and alcohol. It was actually when he joined the police force that his drug taking really went through the roof because drugs were so easily accessible to him. He apparently chugged wine as if it was water and his favorite drug of choice was speed. And also the kitchen cabinets at home were basically just filled with drugs every kind of amphetamine and tranquilizer, every different color, everything. All different kinds of drugs were in the kitchen cabinets. So that is what Brookie's dad was like. And Christine, she was definitely better because how can you really get that much worse than Leroy? But she wasn't that great either. Now, Christine was unemployed. So she would spend most of her days just hopping around bars. She would also use and abuse alcohol and she would be popping pills left, right and center. And whenever she wasn't in bars drinking, she was just lying at home on the sofa with a massive hangover. So that is what Brookie's parents were like. And when you put both of them together, it was explosive and not in the good way. They had an incredibly toxic relationship. They both had these grandiose personalities. And because of their personalities, they either really loved one another and it was so passionate and fiery, or they really hated one another. There was no in-between. And you're probably thinking, okay, so where does Brookie and Travis fit into all of this? Who exactly is looking after the children? Well, the answer to that would be Brookie and Travis. They were essentially left to fend for themselves. Christine and Leroy were not interested in the children. They were just interested in themselves. The only thing that they were interested in was partying, drinking, taking drugs. So even from as young as being toddlers, Brookie and Travis were just left to themselves 
left on their own, which is just completely unbelievable. It's like, how do toddlers look after themselves, but they somehow managed, but that environment that both Brookie and Travis are in is not a healthy one, not the ideal situation to be bringing up children in, but things would only continue to get worse because when you put personalities like Christine and Leroy together, it is only going to get worse. It is only going to go downhill. By the time Brookie reached the age of seven, her dad had been fired, thank God, from the police service. Apparently, he had been caught stealing money. So Leroy wanted a fresh start. And this is when the whole family relocate to Bakersfield, California. But things didn't really change when they went to Bakersfield. Christine and Leroy, all they were interested in still was partying, drinking, taking drugs. They would go on crazy binges and they would be gone from the home for days at a time. And Brookie, at the age of seven, she was basically full-time raising her little brother, Travis, who was currently four years old. Most of the time, they were just living out of motels and the two children would just be left in the motel rooms all day. And the two children would be going round to the other guests at the motel begging for food because they were starving. But that's not even the worst part because I can imagine that both Brookie and Travis were possibly thankful when their parents were not in. Because when Leroy would return from his drinking binges, he would be both verbally and physically abusive to the children. There would be so many times where he would repeatedly beat his children with wooden objects like a wooden ruler and leave his children, their bodies covered in bruises. But on top of all of that, there were still domestic disputes between Christine and Leroy, which both Brookie and Travis had to witness. It's literally like history repeating itself. Leroy has literally stepped into the shoes of his father, who was very abusive. Leroy would also repeatedly cheat on his wife. You really don't get much worse than Leroy, do you? And whenever he would come home and Christine would confront him about his infidelity, a huge argument would just break out. And there was one incident, which is just honestly crazy. I just feel like every single thing in this story is crazy and unbelievable. So after one of these arguments about Leroy's infidelity, Christine got into bed with a gun and Leroy was already asleep and she pointed the gun at her husband and pulled the trigger. Now there was no bullets in the gun so obviously nothing happened and Christine just put the gun under her pillow and went to sleep. Now we will never know if Christine actually did want to shoot and essentially kill her husband in that moment. Did she think the gun was loaded? We don't know. But I will say this, given what goes on to happen in the story, I think it's safe to assume that she thought the gun was loaded and she did want to kill her husband. And Brookie and Travis, this environment, can it get any worse? They don't have a stable home. They're moving from motel room to motel room. Sometimes they are left for days on end having to fend for themselves. They have no food, no money. They're having to go around the other guests at the motel begging for food. Their dad is both physically and verbally abusive to them. He's also probably physically and verbally abusing their mom as well. Their mom is probably not not much better and their mom has just tried to kill their dad. So that sums up Brookie's childhood. 
essentially. And I think it's safe to say that Brookie was just completely damaged. So now we have to move on to the next stage of Brookie's childhood. And that is that her parents, their marriage breaks down, which honestly is unsurprising given how toxic it is. So Leroy left Christine for an unknown reason. And he actually ends up taking the kids with him, which I don't know why he did that. It's not exactly like he is a loving, caring parent. So now Brookie and Travis are forced to live with their dad, Leroy, and his new girlfriend, who was a woman that he was having an affair with when he was still with Christine. But Christine didn't uh, mope around. She wasn't exactly sad about this. She actually jumped into another relationship herself straight away. And she jumped into a relationship with a married man. This man we only know as David. And this whole relationship with David is unsurprisingly very dysfunctional and toxic. And again, that is an understatement. So after Christine and David were seeing each other for a while, David wanted to call it quits on the relationship. He was just like, yeah, this is not for me. I want to go back to my wife. I don't want to see you anymore, Christine. But Christine doesn't take this lightly. She is outraged. She is like, how dare you leave me to go back to your wife? And Christine wants revenge. So what does Christine do? She actually arranges a meeting with David, but David brings along his wife, which I don't know why he did that. So it's like clearly his wife knew about the affair and he wanted to bring her along to talk through all of this drama. So David and his wife wanted to talk things out. They wanted to resolve this situation, even though it's incredibly messy, they wanted to resolve it like adults. But Christine wasn't thinking that rationally because she entered the bar with a shotgun hidden in her jacket. So then as soon as Christine approaches David and his wife, she sits down and in this really busy bar, she pulls out the sawn off shotgun that she has hidden in her jacket and she shoots David squarely in the chest. I just cannot believe it. It's like, what the hell? And this is why earlier on in the story, when Christine tried to shoot Leroy in bed, but there was no bullets in the gun. This is why I say, I feel like she meant to kill Leroy because of this moment. She is clearly someone that resorts to violence very quickly. But amazingly, David survived, even though he had life-changing injuries after this. And Christine was arrested and charged with attempted murder. And she was sentenced to to 14 years. Now, pretty much everyone in town knows that Christine has been sent to prison for attempted murder and Brookie still lives in the same area. So when she's going to school, all of the kids in her school know what her mom has done. She is filled with embarrassment. She is getting teased about what her mom has done. She is struggling so much dealing with the fact that her mom is now in prison and Leroy, he should have stepped up. You know, this was the moment. He should have stepped up and tried to be a caring, loving father but did he do that? Oh no, of course he didn't. Because Leroy didn't know how to break the news to his youngest son, Travis, that his mom was now in prison for attempted murder. So Leroy instructed Brookie to tell Travis that his mom was dead. I have no words. What the actual how? How did it go through Leroy's mind that it was better to tell Travis that his mom was dead rather than his mom was in prison? And I cannot believe that he pushed the job onto Brookie. He pushed the job of lying to Travis onto Brookie. Brookie had to tell Travis 
that their mom was dead, even though Brookie knew that she was in prison for attempted murder. How messed up is that? But things don't end there, do they? Of course they don't, because Leroy is a terrible human being. He decides that he's over being a father. Doesn't want to be one anymore, doesn't want to look after the kids. He made a big mistake taking the kids with him. So what does he do? He drops Brookie and Travis off at an orphanage. And I know when you hear the word orphanage, you're like, oh my God, what the hell is going to happen to them there? Well, actually this was the best decision that Leroy ever made because Brookie and Travis had a wonderful time at the orphanage. And do you want to know why they had a wonderful time at the orphanage? And that is because they were receiving basic love and care, which is something that they had never received before. This was the first time that they had a proper childhood, which is so sad when you think about it. How is it that these children who had two parents, how is it that now they're in an orphanage, they're only just starting to thrive? But even their time at the orphanage would be short-lived because two years into Christine's 14-year sentence, she was released, which is crazy. Why the hell is she being released after two years when she was sentenced to 14? But when Christine is released, she decides that she wants the family back together. Christine and Leroy rekindle their love and they go and pick up their two children from the orphanage. And don't forget, Travis thinks that his mom is dead. Can you even imagine how traumatic, how confusing that would have been for Travis, seeing his mom after believing for two years that she was dead. Now, when Christine and Leroy went to pick up Brookie and Travis from the orphanage, Neither Brookie or Travis wanted to go with their parents. They wanted to stay at the orphanage. Travis actually had to be dragged kicking and screaming out of the orphanage. That is how much he wanted to stay. So the family are back together, but is anything any different? Of course it's not. It's still just as chaotic as before. But it wasn't long until Brookie reaches an age where she actually does escape the madness. She was now a young teenager and she was in high school and she was actually doing pretty well in high school despite everything that she was going through and she did eventually graduate and she decided that she wanted to get away from her family and she thought the only way to truly get away from her family was to join the military which is exactly what she did but she didn't last long in the military she decided that it wasn't for her and she was only in the military I think for a couple of months before she did get an honorary discharge so after she leaves the military she goes and moves in with her mom now whilst Brookie was in the military her mom, Christine and Leroy broke up again, but this time they would actually break up for good. Her younger brother, Travis, had also left home as well and he was living on the streets. He was just drifting around. And when Christine and Leroy broke up, they pretty much went in the complete opposite directions of each other. Christine found religion. She found Christianity and she wanted to get her life on the right track. She wanted to stop drinking, stop taking drugs. So she went down that path while Leroy pretty much went down the opposite path. Leroy definitely found some 
darker places, let's just say. So not too far from where Leroy lived, he met a woman who was a self-proclaimed witch. And let's just say she wasn't a friendly witch. Let's just say that she started to talk to Leroy about witchcraft, about how you could cast spells on your enemies, how you could get revenge from the comfort of your own home. She started talking about worshipping the devil. And this really appealed to Leroy, especially the part about getting revenge on your enemies, because Leroy is a very violent man, as we know, his answer to pretty much everything is violence. And Leroy started to get sucked into this dark world. It was almost like a cult. I'm not going to call it a cult, but it was very cult-like. He did start worshipping the devil. He started calling himself a warlock. And he would go to these meetings at this woman's house and they would all go in the basement. They would all put on these cloaks. They would all wear masks. They would stand in a circle. There would be pentagrams. And they were carrying out these cult-like practices, worshipping the devil, worshipping this woman who was the leader of this kind of little cult. So that is the avenue that Leroy went down. So yeah, Christine and Leroy have gone in the complete opposite directions. So back to Brookie. I'm sorry, this case really does feel all over the place, doesn't it? But I really just feel like that is a good representation of what this family was. It was chaotic and I feel like this video is chaotic. So Brookie is living with her mom, but she hates it. She doesn't get on with her mom. She has a very toxic relationship with her mom. They either really love each other, really get on, or they really hate each other. It's actually a very mirrored relationship from Christine and Leroy's relationship because they were very toxic. They were very intense, very explosive. But it's almost like Brookie has learned that that is what relationships are like. And now that is what her relationship with her mom is like. So Brookie is desperate to get out of this house with her mom. She does not want to live with her mom anymore. And this is when Brookie finds herself a boyfriend. And this is when Brookie enters into a relationship with a man called Ray. And she soon gets married to him. They soon move in together and they actually have a child pretty quickly. Now, Brookie, I will say, did seem to struggle with parenthood. She was struggling a lot. She wasn't diagnosed with anything, but she definitely was struggling with her newborn baby, connecting with the baby. She was very stressed. Brookie and Ray were also financially struggling as well. Just the overall situation was not a good one. And Brookie, after a few years, decided that she didn't want her child anymore. She wanted to put it up for adoption. But Ray is so against it. He wants the child. He does not want to put the child up for adoption. But Brookie doesn't exactly take kindly to things not going her way. So Brookie decides to get her dad involved. And like I've just said, her dad, Leroy, is not involved with the best people. So Brookie and Ray are arguing back and forth about giving up their child, putting it up for adoption. And then one day, a masked man turns up on the doorstep of Ray's grandmother. Ray's grandmother opens the door and this masked man shoots the old woman in the chest. Now, it's never been proven who this masked man was, but I did just tell you that Leroy is essentially in a cult where they were wearing robes and they would all wear masks. So I don't think it's too far-fetched to believe that this masked man was either Leroy, which I think he probably was, or at least somebody else in his little cult. And they did this, they shot Ray's grandmother 
to intimidate Ray into agreeing to the adoption. And the plan worked because after this shooting, Ray agreed to the adoption. Thankfully, the grandmother did survive, by the way, I forgot to say. It's just so crazy that every single member of this family, possibly apart from Travis, but we don't really know too much about him, but every single member of this family just resorts to violence. Whenever anything doesn't go their way, they just shoot people. So following this shooting of Ray's grandmother, Brookie has now given her child up for adoption and Ray and Brookie get divorced, which I'm not surprised. So what does Brookie go and do? She runs back to her mom and lives with her. So the relationship between Brookie and her mom is very significant to this case if you hadn't already figured out. But it is especially significant now because Brookie moving back in with her mom, this is pretty much the situation for the rest of the case. And they do, like I've already kind of insinuated, but they do have this very codependent relationship. It's almost like they can't survive without the other, but they hate being around each other. They would always argue it's a very toxic situation. Brookie would always accuse her mom of trying to control her life. Christine would always accuse her daughter of bullying her, which to be honest, I feel like they both control each other and they both bullied each other. They also struggled financially. Neither one of them had a steady job. So quite often the two of them as like a little mother-daughter bonding session would go on shopping shoplifting sprees fairly regularly to fund their life essentially, but this didn't end too well because they both got caught and they both ended up receiving 30 days in prison. They also had this weird relationship where they would try and pick up men together. And one of their favorite places to pick up men was AA meetings, which is a very weird place to pick up men. I don't know, I feel like that's really weird. So the two of them, they would get dressed up, they would be wearing very, very sexy outfits to these AA meetings, and they would be flirting with every single man there. And this was basically their relationship, and it went on like this for years. However, at some point, Brookie did turn her life around. She did end up getting a steady job that paid pretty well. She treated herself to a new car, which was a Jaguar, so pretty fancy car. She also managed to save enough money to buy herself a home for her and her mother. So she's actually doing pretty well. So on the surface, yeah, she kind of has turned her life around, but spoiler, not really. And then in 1994, Brookie is currently 41 years old. At one of the AA meetings, she meets a man, Howard St. John. And the chaos only continues from here. Howard was 35 years old. He was a recovering alcoholic. He was obviously at the AA meeting and he was just trying to get back on his feet. He was trying to get his life back on track. And I do just feel sorry for him because Brookie was not the answer. And within weeks of Brookie meeting Howard, they were married. So Howard ends up moving in with Brookie and her mom. And this was not a good situation because Christine hated Howard. Now, I don't know why Christine hated Howard. I don't think it's too far-fetched to assume that she just hated that Brookie had someone else in her life other than herself, but Howard and Christine would always, always constantly argue. And Brookie and Christine also constantly argue. So everyone is just arguing with everyone. She got fed up of her mom. She just felt like, you know what? I don't want this woman living in my house anymore. I am funding her. I am paying for everything. And she is being so ungrateful. She wants her mom out of the picture. So she goes out and she buys a van, basically like a camper van, but not a very nice one. She drives her mom in the van to a parking lot that's not too far from the house. And she basically says to her mom, 
this is your new home. Yeah, I know she's kicked her mum out and is forcing her mum to live in this van, which Christine, she has nowhere else to go. This is what she does. So now Christine is out of the house, things should be great. Well, of course, nothing in this story is great. So first of all, Brookie started to financially struggle again. I don't know exactly why she was struggling again. I think she was spending beyond her means and she was struggling to make the payments on her Jaguar. She was falling behind on bills and she was just in a pretty sticky situation. So she turns to Howard and says to him, I need your help committing insurance fraud. So the two of them drive the car out into the middle of nowhere and set it on fire. They reported the car stolen. The car was obviously found and Brookie and Howard were able to claim $18,000 in insurance money. Brookie was thrilled she could pay off her bills. She started to live the high life again. But then the police started sniffing round because they were convinced that Brookie and Howard had set this all up. So what do they do? They bring Howard in for questioning and Brookie starts to panic. She thinks that Howard is going to turn on her, confess, tell them everything. And what is Brookie's response when things don't go her way? Violence. So one day when Brookie and Howard are just in the house together, Brookie pulls out a gun and shoots Howard in the neck. Now blood starts spurting everywhere, but incredibly, it wasn't a fatal shot and Howard survived this. This is now the third family member that has shot somebody. Thankfully, all three people that have been shot have survived, but it's just crazy. This family, they just pull out guns and they shoot people. So Howard, after he's been shot in the neck, he runs out of the house and he's able to shout, which I don't know how because he's been shot in the neck, but he's able to shout, help, help, my wife is trying to kill me. Within minutes, police arrive at the scene and Brookie is arrested for attempted murder. Howard eventually recovers and is released from hospital, but by the time this happens, Brookie is already released from police custody. They have released her because of lack of evidence and they're waiting to see if Howard presses charges. And Brookie is obviously terrified that Howard is going to turn against her. I mean, not only was there the insurance fraud claim that is going on, she has now tried to kill him. Brookie knows that she cannot let this happen. So she tries to reel Howard back in. She told Howard that she would do whatever he wanted. Whatever he wanted, he could get. Did he want the car? He could have the car. Did he want the house? He could have the house. He could have absolutely anything that he wanted as long as he didn't press charges. And Howard, poor Howard, he was definitely under Brookie's spell. He ended up agreeing. And Howard goes back to her, but unfortunately this would end in absolute tragedy because shortly after Howard went back to Brookie, a shocking discovery was made. A member of the public found a body lying on a riverbank. This was not too far from Brookie's home and that body was of Howard St. John. Immediately after Howard's body was found, Brookie was immediately arrested. I think everyone was pretty convinced that Brookie had done this. I mean, she had literally just tried to murder him not too long ago and now his body turns up. But unfortunately, they couldn't find any evidence that Brookie had done this. The only evidence they had was circumstantial and the DA at the time didn't want to take this case forward. So the investigations into Howard's murder 
were dropped. And it seems like Brookie Lee West has gotten away with murder. And obviously, still to this day, it hasn't been proven who murdered Howard or even how he died. But I think it's very clear that Brookie had something to do with this, whether it was at her own hands or maybe even the hands of someone else. We know that she gets her dad to do her bidding sometimes. We just don't know. But I think it's very safe to say that Brookie is behind this. And poor Howard, he got dragged into Brookie's crazy chaotic life and he was manipulated by her to go back to her and then he lost his life. So now that Brookie has basically gotten away with murder, what does she do? She moves back in with her mom. So her mom was still living in that van, in that parking lot. Well, Brookie brings her mom back to the house. But they actually decide that they want a fresh start. They want to move to a different location. So the two of them move to Las Vegas. So when they first move to Vegas, Christine absolutely loves it. She is having a great time in Vegas. It does seem like Christine has somewhat gotten onto a relatively good path. She's making loads of friends. She's having a really good time. She's going to all of these different groups. However, Brooke is like the complete opposite. She is really struggling. She is not having a good time. She's really struggling with her mental health and she starts going to see a therapist in Vegas. But when she goes to therapy, her therapist says to her that her mom seems to be the root of all of her problems, which I don't think anyone can deny. But the thing is, when Brookie heard that, she was like, yeah, mm -hmm, my mom is the problem and I need to do something about it. Brookie started having thoughts again that she was fed up with her mom. She was fed up of her mom freeloading off her. She was also fed up and angry with her mom for everything that she put her through in her childhood, which again, I don't think any of us can deny that those are completely rational thoughts. However, what Brookie goes on to do is completely irrational. So one day, one of Christine's new friends that she has made goes over to the home to see Christine, to hang out with her. But when Brookie answers the door, she tells her mom's friend that Christine no longer lives there. Brookie tries to explain that Christine has actually gone to live with her son, Travis, and that she's probably not coming back. And the friend, when they heard this, they were like, that's really strange because Travis lives on the streets. He has nowhere to live. So how has she gone to live with Travis? But she doesn't ask any further questions. She just kind of accepts Brookie's story and leaves. And Christine is not seen again by anyone. She has completely disappeared. And of course, I think we all know that Christine hasn't gone to live with Travis. We know that something way more sinister has happened. So on the 5th of February, 2001, two whole years since Christine first disappeared, a manager at a nearby storage unit facility started to get reports of an extremely foul smell. People have even reported that it smelled like death. So the manager goes round all of the storage units trying to figure out where this smell is coming from and what it is. And he figures out that the smell is coming from the storage unit 317. And who is renting out that storage unit? Brookie Lee 
rest. So the manager opens up the storage unit and inside is a 45 gallon plastic container. Now this container is all sealed up with duct tape. It's sealed up real good. So he couldn't look inside, but he could tell that the smell was coming from this container. And then when he got closer to the container, he could see this really weird color. It was almost like a black color, just really weird color, liquid oozing out of the bottom. The police are immediately called and when they show up, they do get inside the plastic container and what they find absolutely repulses them. They first find a layer of dead maggots, which is sitting on top of human remains. But what is just so horrifying because of the state of decomposition, the majority of the internal organs had liquefied. So when the detectives looked inside the plastic container, it wasn't even like a human body because part of the body had liquefied. So it was kind of like half solid, half liquid. And the body inside this plastic container had almost become a cube. They could see that there was bones in this cube and they could also tell that the head was covered in a plastic bag. And because the body was in such a state, it was really hard to determine exactly how this person died and also how long they had been there for. And when a full autopsy was performed, it was discovered that the remains belonged to Brookie's mom, Christine Smith. And as soon as the remains were identified, Brookie was tracked down and immediately arrested on suspicion of murder. So following the arrest, the police question Brookie because right now they only have circumstantial evidence, which is crazy. So they're hoping that Brookie will confess, but she doesn't. They straight up ask Brookie, did you kill your mom? And she says, no, I didn't kill her, but I did put her in the storage unit. Unbelievably, Brookie denied the murder, but she did say that she was the one that put her mom in the plastic container and then put her mom in the storage unit. Brookie goes on to tell the police that her mom had died of natural causes. So Brookie and Christine were apparently on a road trip and one night when they were staying in a motel, Christine had passed away in her sleep. Now, the next morning when Brookie found her mom, she went into a state of panic and she didn't know what to do. She didn't report that her mom had died because she was worried that the police would think that she had done it because she was already suspected of another murder, i.e. Howard St. John. Brookie was worried that people wouldn't believe her that her mom had died of natural causes, so she decided to take her mom's body, wrap it up, put it in the plastic container, then put her mom's body in the storage unit and not tell anyone. Brookie came out and said, listen, I panicked. I know it looks bad. I did conceal her body. I didn't tell anyone, but I didn't murder her. I didn't report her death. I have reasons and like, they're very logical reasons. And you know, she wasn't murdered. But the police were having none of it. And it turns out that this story wasn't true, but there is no shocker there because the police made a very crucial discovery 
all thanks to insects. So sit down kids, we have a science lesson on our hands. So it turns out when someone passes away, the first insect to land on the human body is a blowfly. Apparently these insects can smell death literally from miles away and they land on the body within minutes of someone passing away, if not shorter than that. So as soon as someone dies, these insects will be all over someone's body. So this obviously starts off the decomposition and it also helps determine when someone died. So when the autopsy was carried out, when they have Christine's body, there were no blowflies on her body, which meant only one of two things. It either meant that Christine died, whether of natural causes or a murder, and then Brookie was able to wrap her body up, put her in a plastic container, then put her in a storage unit all in less than one minute, which is pretty impossible. So then the other more likely situation was that Christine was still alive when she was put in that plastic container. So Brookie's whole story of her mom dying in a hotel room is just complete BS because there is no way that Brookie would have been able to transport her mom's body to the storage unit without any blowflies getting on Christine's body. So the fact that there was no blowflies on Christine's body, the police took this as premeditated murder. So the case eventually goes to trial and even more evidence comes out against Brookie. They actually find a fingerprint on the plastic container. So they now have physical evidence against Brookie. They also found out that Brookie was cashing in her mom's social security checks, now giving Brookie a financial motive. But that wasn't the only shocking discovery, oh no, because Brookie, not only was she cashing in her mom's social security checks, she was also cashing in her brother Travis's social security checks. Yes, remember her brother Travis. Well, it turns out a few years earlier, Travis also went missing. And still, to this day, Travis has never been located. But given what Brookie did to her mom, Christine, and also the fact that she is cashing in Travis's social security checks, investigators strongly believe that Brookie also murdered her brother, Travis. However, there is not enough evidence to prove this, so we don't know. Brookie has never been charged with this murder. It was definitely investigated, but they couldn't find enough evidence. And just like her husband, Howard, it seems like Brookie has also gotten away with the murder of her brother, Travis. However, thank God the same could not be said for the murder of Christine, because after all the evidence was presented at trial, on the 19th of July, 2001, Brookie Lee West was found guilty of the murder of her mom, Christine, and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Also in the storage unit, I didn't really know how to fit it in earlier in the story, there were lots of books found on witchcraft and devil worshipping and all stuff like that. And there have definitely been some people that have tried to say that Brookie is a witch and she was involved in that like cult like thing with her dad. Brookie herself has always denied being a witch and being a part of that cult that her dad is in. I think there have been some people that have tried to 
say that the murder of her mom was like a part of all of that and to do with that. You know what people are like when they hear the words like witch or witchcraft or devil worshipping or something like that. You know people like to run with it. But what really happened here is Brookie was a messed up person. Brookie was born out of trauma. Her parents obviously had a very traumatic life. They then passed their trauma onto Brookie. Brookie obviously had her own demons that she was carrying as well. And it was just dysfunctional. Everything in this case, every single person, it was just chaotic, toxic, dysfunctional. Her family just always seemed to resort to violence. I think this is definitely a case of Brookie being a product of her upbringing. And of course, there is no denying that Christine is partly to blame for Brookie's trauma and her upbringing. But I want to make this very, very clear. That does not justify Brookie's actions. Brookie could have so easily moved on from her mom. They could have just gone their separate ways. There were so many times where Brookie went back to her mom. But we'll end this by remembering the victims of today's case. Christine Smith was described as a friendly woman. She had a troubled upbringing and she carried her struggles into her adult life. But she later found the church and she tried to turn her life around. She made lots of friends in the process and she was taken at the hands of her very own daughter. She was 65 years old. And then of course we have the other two potential victims and Howard I don't even want to call him a potential victim because I think it's safe to say that he is a victim of Brookie. He just got caught up in Brookie's lies and manipulation. And then we have her brother Travis who still to this day has not been found. And that brings us to the end of the episode on Brookie Lee West. There are no updates on this case. So thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would really mean a lot if you could leave a five-star review because it really does help out this podcast. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios and I'll see you all in the next one. Thank you.